You are listening to The Edge, a podcast for personal development junkies and visionaries living right at the precipice of oh shit meets fuck yeah. I'm Nadia Munda, an embodiment and relationship coach and a lover of all edges. Stick around to listen to raw, unpolished conversations where we explore our personal and collective edges in all their erotic glory. You know, Gary, Gary, I give Gary Vaynerchuk a lot of shit, but like he's gotten, I feel like he's chilled out. I mean, he's still, he is not really the embodiment of chilled out. Yeah, I was just going to say, but I wonder what he that has been like. at least promoting more slowing down and chill out culture and don't hustle and like what are the things that matter. So I feel like, you know, I got to give him props. I feel like watching Gary Vaynerchuk is so endearing some like he like named his wine brand empathy or like one of his <laughs> wines wine is named brand? yeah yeah he's like very that's how he got famous was he was like one of the first people that sold what? wine on the I internet back in the first days of the internet and he like he like discovered empathy and so he has this like this he word empathy he, he thinks he discovered empathy no like for himself he like didn't know about the word empathy oh, it was and like so a big it was a moment. big deal for him and he made it a really big deal when he already had a platform okay and he talked about it a lot right. like it was this incredible new thing but mm. it it just i was like oh this is cute you have like millions of dollars and you're super successful and you're like I just I just discovered (laughs) as if like it's this brand new wait what would the names of our wines be if we had a wine brand I feel like the name of your wine would be something like 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 a (laughs) it would have like a yes exactly it would be like like bitch would be the last part of it Listen up, bitch. Yeah. One time. It would be like... A relaxed bitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> calm your ass down. I I like it. I could have a line, you know, like I'll have a, a white... I don't really like rosé, so I might keep that out of the line, but like a yeah. white, a sparkling... Fuck rosé. That would be what your rosé would be called. A what? Fuck rosé. Fuck rosé. <laughs> it would be a non-rosé rosé. Um, but yeah, I think a line. I'm wondering what yours would be. Hmm. Let's see. I feel like there, I know the label will have something very Egyptian on it. I've decided. Of course. It'd be like blue lotus wine. <laughs> yeah, totally. There's definitely cat eyes somewhere in there. Like, I just feel like there's some just sort of no Egyptian. no eyes, but there's just the outline of a cat eye. Of a cat eye. <laughs> Um, hmm. I don't know. I feel like transcendence comes to mind. I don't know why. Transcendence. transcendence. And then another one that's like that. the total opposite. Like there's transcendence and then there's like... Something like dark and... Like teenage emo something, you know, yeah. that's just... It's just called angst. Oh, <laughs> transcendence <laughs> and angst. So good. <laughs> There's a spectrum there that that paints. Right? <laughs> you can mix the two together and see what comes. I think my angst when I was a teenager actually was something wanting to transcend being here. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, it would just be the gradient of all of the different parts that we've experienced. Mm-hmm. And have the different colors. Like it's like an ombre mm-hmm. situation or like a rainbow. I think the angst would just have a picture of me as a goth with my middle finger up. Maybe we just need a line I would together. buy that wine. I would buy that wine yeah. too. Wait, so we're definitely, um, we just want to say this. It's our it's our official announcement. <laughs> just Ben Stock, Nadia Mulna will be releasing. <laughs> my parents will be so happy. A wine line in 2025. It's going to take us a minute. What's decide. our like overall company name called? Egyptian sisters. There we go. <laughs> and it's not very exciting, but just that's what comes to mind when Egyptian I think about us. Sisters. I feel like we've definitely done Egypt together before. I agree. Oh sure. Wait, so we were talking about angst and um I was gonna transition into existential angst and talk a little oh. bit about that, but then we got distracted by the screensaver. But you know, I'm I'm in a time right now. I would say about like, you know, it's been about 10 years since I got into the coaching world mm-hmm. and and had, had my coaching practice. And I'm noticing myself in a stage and a phase where I'm really going back to some basics mm. where I got all fancy for a while. You know, it's like, oh, now we're going to go and do this. And then 16 practices on top of each other. And, then you know, now you're doing it during sex. And can you do breath work while you have sex, while you do that? <laughs> like, just like, I feel like it just got really complicated. Um, and not in a bad way. It's like what I needed at the time. But mm-hmm. I'm noticing myself going back to a phase of it's the basics. Like, are you doing a basic seated meditation? Can you come back to like... Mm-hmm. Are you even breathing? Where is your monkey mind spiraling? Like, you know, just the things that I learned very early on, even before I became a coach myself, just mm-hmm. when I immersed myself in personal development. And so I just think that that's like an important conversation um, for us to have because it I do see out there that like a lot of people like myself who get so far down the rabbit hole of personal yeah, development. The rabbit hole is great. And also, you know, suddenly we're like this. Yeah. And we're trying to do this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, we're just doing so much. And it's just like, wait, what is actually, like, when we strip it back down, you know, what are the basics? And um, I'm curious for you, like, in your work, or even in your own practice, really, like, what do you find is one of the most foundational fundamental tools that you come back to because I I need some help (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean I think I'm a huge fan of meditation I suck at it sometimes so is this like quiet minute like complete silence is there is there music yeah I personally well I go to a meditation school so Mm -hmm. there's like a specific kind of energy cultivation meditation but I even think before that just the ability to sit and like when I was 18 and I had my first spiritual awakening I was like oh everyone like no matter what I looked at or tradition or teacher everyone kept talking about meditation and so I would just sit and close my eyes and every time I would notice my mind I would just make it shut up Mm. not like fighting it but just the ability to like focus on my breath and stop just stop thoughts Mm. 
And I don't do that kind of meditation anymore. I mean, I do sometimes, but like just being able to quiet something and be present. Yeah. But like sometimes I do that with senses, you know, mm-hmm. like sometimes I do that with like moving and writhing around and as I know mm-hmm. you do. And sometimes I know people do it with breath work that's like really intense mm-hmm. or doing cold plunging. I think like anything that leads you to like shutting yeah. off the chaos and just being really present and then allowing your consciousness or training your consciousness to like expand yeah. into that whatever way you get there that works for you which may be totally different in mm. different seasons mm. that's one of my main go-tos I'm curious like what are your thoughts I always wonder about this like because I get so far into and I've been teaching this for so long and there's of course merit to it because I, mm-hmm. I'm, this is what I love but going so deep into the sensation and deep into the emotion and even with things like the monkey mind or the inner critic voice mm-hmm. like instead of like quieting the voice mm-hmm. actually engaging with it mm-hmm. and sitting down having tea with it like that's an exercise I do mm-hmm. a lot with my clients which I find they're like their minds are blown yeah. because they're like, oh, wait, I don't have to like fight this mm-hmm. voice or tell it to shut the fuck up. I could actually sit and try to understand what it's doing for me and how yeah. it loves me and protects me, which is, of course, we know helpful. And I have started to notice as I'm going back to this full circle of like coming back to the fundamentals mm-hmm. that there's a way in which you can overindulge also being in conversation or being in sensation or being in emotion and so I'm curious if you have Mm. any thoughts on like (laughs) again tips for me as I'm navigating the bullet um like how how do we know from like which side of the spectrum to pick like is it like no I'm gonna wrangle this monkey mind Mm. and just be like shh Mm -hmm. and just every time it says something shh you know, and just do that, which is sort of like meditation, or is there something I'm missing about the energetics of the meditation? Or, or is it more like, no, actually, let me see what this voice has to say and why it keeps popping up. And like, when is the good time to go this direction versus this direction? I mean, I think you can indulge anything too much. Like I used to mm. use meditation to get out of my body and not be present with my life. True. You know, and like hang out in my upper chakras because my lower chakras had a lot of shit going on that I didn't want to deal with. Good point. I didn't know that at the time. Um, I've also deeply indulged. I've indulged everything. Mm. I'm going to indulge. I'm going to go like really deep into something to the point where I'm like, this is unhealthy and then find balance. Um, so I think... It depends on, like, what is it that you need? So, like, mm-hmm. you may be in a place right now where you don't have full capacity without someone else, like another body, another energy holding you through and bring you all the way through to dive into the conversation with those mm-hmm. parts, you know? And, mm-hmm. like, we become so gripped and identified with, like, when we're in deep suffering or going through really intense phases, like, getting any witness perspective is is it's just hard um and so I think that's when it's really good to have someone else hold you as you go into those parts so Mm. that they can bring you all the way through because I think that what happens is if you go down into them and then you're really in the like the pain it can Mm. just stir up so much that you're like 
just doing that and then after a while it doesn't actually feel like it's working Mm -hmm. I also think and this is interesting because as someone who teaches somatic work and trauma and all of this stuff or in healing in general um sometimes I think we just need to chill and like not do any of that and just like enjoy life like go for a walk hang out with your friends accept the fact that like life feels kind of wonky right now and then do like maintenance things you know like what feeds your system does listening to binaural beats and like Mm -hmm. laying down even if your mind is spinning that's probably better for you than scrolling yeah you know it's kind of like in those phases I look for like well you still need to eat food and like maintenance your body so how do you want to maintenance your energy yeah and Mm -hmm. I look for like little things like you know, listening to beautiful music and rolling around on the ground, or yeah. if I'm going to watch a movie, watch something that's really inspiring, or mm-hmm. if I'm going to, I like really try hard not to look at screens, not that I'm, we all fall prey to that, because they're yeah. literally designed to be addicting, yeah. but I notice I feel more anxious at the end of doing that, right. so it really depends yeah. on, I think like where your needing most also if someone's processing like different systems are different processing different things you know like it could be that you know having cuddles and touch is like what you need like you just need co-regulation through touch with someone else yeah or if you're like me who up until very recently hated like if I was mm. dysregulated, the last thing I wanted was someone to touch me. Yeah. Like, I had to go through a certain um, phase first. Like, it could just be me being alone for a while, taking a shower, taking a nap. And then I'm, I, was, I was ready for mm-hmm. touch. But it was like, do not. And it was so hard for my previous mm. partners. Um, but then, it, you know, I it's, it's gotten easier. But I think what you're, you know, you're speaking to about be, about fueling and regulate, I mean, about um, nourishing and fueling was is regulation, right? Yeah. It's like, there's something that happens when we over intellectualize. So when yeah. we, and I see this a lot specifically in like healers and coaches and people who are and therapists, like people who are actually yeah. in the personal development of world it's like we sort of the meaning making and the um intellectualizing and cognitively understanding of every (laughs) single freaking concept because we know it right we're teaching it it can actually start to work against us because one either it leads to perfectionism um which you know we're like i'm working on myself it's like no you think you're a fix-it project Mm -hmm. and you're trying to fix yourself which is not necessarily helping anything um and then the other piece which is just like actually dysregulating your system by overthinking about well is it because my mom at age five did did, you know and like you go into this whole rhetoric and story yeah and which is like Mm -hmm. it's initially is a relief like like you when you Mm -hmm. go to therapy first or you even are talking to coach or whoever whatever type of therapist like you are going, oh, wow, that's why I feel like that or I do that thing with mm. my partner or whatever. And it feels like, oh, there's like an exhale and a regulation that nearly comes with understanding and identifying the problem. But then yeah. there's a place where then it starts to snowball again. Yeah. And that's why when you talk about like, just yeah. go 
hang out with some friends. Don't be like, a fucking human. Yeah, bro. like I'm always yeah. like, okay, you yeah. know, go eat some good food, drink a glass of wine yeah. if that's your thing. Like, just go be human. And I think there is something true to the whole ignorance is bliss piece where it's like, okay, like you said, overindulging yeah. in anything is not good. So we don't want to be totally ignorant, but overly knowing or paying attention to every single thing. It's like, oh, my left shoulder is doing this and done this, you know, because of it just actually reinforces the problem yes, and totally. keeps us dysregulated. It's it's really, I think that part of that leads back to the fact that we are disconnected via the Western mind and Western psychology. Mm-hmm. Like we we compartmentalize things and we love we love breaking everything down to its smallest little idiest bittiest thing, and we don't see like the holistic nature mm-hmm. of life. So. In spiritual traditions that are where, like, okay, if we look at where did healing come from? Mm. Where did psychology come from? Where did archetypes come from? Where did all of the stuff that we're actually using for self-development come from? It came from medicine people, shamans, and ancient spiritual traditions, which have a cosmological framework for how we as a human being are interacting with life around us. Mm. So we didn't, we don't just take this little itty bitty thing and then put a magnifying glass on it and then not see the interconnectedness with everything else. Mm-hmm. And I think in the West we do do that because we yeah. like our diagnoses mm-hmm. and we like our symptoms and we like having the specific things about what's wrong with us so we can check tick, off the box tick, and feel tick, tick. control, I think. Yeah. And what's hard about that way of seeing that's like, like when I, when I, feel into like what you're saying and what Mm. my mind does and my mind does that because I grew up in the West. Um, It's like taking like, you know, when you use a microscope and then you take all these, like you can do even closer and even closer and even closer and even closer. And so that's great. You can look at the one thing. Mm. If you're doing surgery, you need to be able to do something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. If you're in the middle of a healing process, it's really good to have that. But if that's disconnected from everything else, mm. then and neatly it causes like disease because mm. there's more disconnection. So it's kind of like you're looking from the vantage point of the paradigm, which is part of the problem. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Well, and then also the irony of like the whole point of personal development is to enjoy being a human more, but then if you're interesting, but but everyone's so obsessed with getting better that they forget about the part where I'm like, okay, but we do all of this in order for you to go out and like enjoy nature, enjoy good food, Mm -hmm. like the truly animalistic primal things that, and also hedonistic things. Like, again, you don't have to swing the pendulum all the way to the side where you're like drugs and rock and roll, you know, but like, Yes, go out and have a good time. That is the point of being here. Like totally. you're not a like, you know, honeybee. You're not like a what is it, worker ant? Is that what it's called? Worker, worker bee. Work. Well, the ants work. I don't know if they're the worker ants, ants but they do work. They are walk... worker ants, technically. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's them, a name. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're like soldiers. Like, yeah, like that's not Army our this ants. lifetime for us. Like we're not <laughs> we're not doing that, right? What we're doing is we are we are spilling water no, on we, ourselves. No, we are thirsty <laughs> and drinking up. Uh-huh. We are hydrating. <laughs> 
we are filling ourselves. That's what we're Everywhere. doing. Yeah, because that's how I just how I want to do it. I just want to be like, you know, because mm-hmm. what there's the other way of just being like. For anyone who's just listening, yeah. I just took a very prissy prim- sip, prim- a proper sip. sip of water, um, and just meanwhile, did it. I'm like spilling water all over my chest, or just drinking up life, enjoying the nectar. <laughs> no, I think it's interesting that like saints drink wine, like like there's this like very puritanical overlay, right? The wine. <laughs> there we go. Come there to- we go. Walmart. From angst to transcendence. <laughs> a spiritual journey. Um, yeah. But there's, you know, like, there's, I think it's only, I mean, you can have ascetic practices where they're, like, completely, they mm-hmm. renounce everything. But, I don't know. I don't want to do that. Mm-mm. I'm not living this life to do that. I've had phases of doing that for specific spiritual practices that are great. Yeah. But I think that. I think that the way that we look, I teach about this a lot because whenever I teach practice, when I'm training practitioners or, and I teach this in center too, when I'm teaching anyone in any vein of self-development work, I have to, I have to bring the context of you're not a problem. Mm-hmm. You are not something to fix. Totally. And if you look at yourself, like I'm going to fix something, you inherently are bringing the paradigm of I'm broken. Yeah. Because the only reason you need to fix something is if it's broken. So that doesn't leave any room for self-discovery. Yeah. Doesn't leave any room for curiosity. Yeah. It doesn't leave any room for um love for mm-hmm. your system. Yeah. Other than the kind of love that's more from a place of like, oh, like let's tend to this poor yeah. thing. It's like, no, yeah. you're resilient, you're made in a body that's fucking miraculous and yeah. we Still don't understand. No, we don't. Um, Not even a little. Yeah. And we don't understand what created it. We don't understand. But, like, here we are. Yeah. But that that takes, like, the mystery and discovery and, I don't know, all this, like, potent, full, rich, deep, mysterious, spiritual, mm. what the fuckery that comes with. Being alive that's been just stripped away and then we're like, let's take Western psychology and like everything's so fucking sterile. Mm. But life's not sterile. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And then also with self-development, it makes me wonder about like the new age. Like who are we looking up to? Where's the end goal? Mm. Are you trying to be enlightened? I don't think I'm trying to be enlightened. I think I'm trying to like enjoy my life. And that's why I love you. Live in a stress-free way (laughs) as much as I can in a... In a world that is inherently trying to press all the stress buttons all the time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I think that's also really important. It took, like, a long time for me to be like, what do I want out of this? Yeah. Oh, I think this is, anyone listening, I would say this is your journaling prompt tomorrow. <laughs> like, what do you want? What like, you what want? are you trying to get? Mm-hmm. Because it should be just an upgrade of your human life. And I, I understand there is a small percentage of the population that's really small that, like you said, have more of the ascetic practices that are mm-hmm. meant to be like monks, priests, et cetera, mm-hmm. in this lifetime. But for most of us, like that's not actually what we're aspiring to. And so when are we now, when is the joke on us? Like when are we just again in the hamster wheel, but it's just the hamster wheel of 
can I be more enlightened than you? <laughs> Hi, love. Just wanted to take a moment out of this conversation to let you know there are so many ways to start your embodiment and intimacy journey. It is not necessarily having to work privately in a coaching container with me. There is a whole page on NadiaMunga.com under the tab self-study that is dedicated to anyone who's looking to just start their journey. So whether it's an embody at home class that you want to start to bring into your morning or evening routine to just move the energy, to explore your different feminine archetypes, or maybe it's something in the world of intimacy and sexuality. I've got master classes from everything around energetic sex to exploring monogamish type relationships and lots, lots more. So definitely go take a look at the page, nadiamala.com, and then go to the tab that's self-study. And for those of you who are here on this podcast listening, I've gotten so many DMs from beautiful devoted listeners sharing with me how much of an impact these conversations have had and I really just wanted to give back the love with a special 50% off code so if you go to the checkout on any of the classes that are there and you put in podcast love all one word in the coupon code on the check on the way out right you will get that 50% off as a thank you from me i am so fired up around the topic of embodiment and intimacy that i can't not nudge you in the direction of actually getting into the practices and that is the place to start. So definitely go check that out. And of course, if you do want to work privately with me, always, that is always an option. Just shoot me an email, Nadia at NadiaMunla.com. Let me know what you're looking for, everything from you can start with a single session. And if you let me know you're from the podcast, I'll give you 50% off on that single session as well. And so we can talk more about that over email. So either DM me at NadiaMunla.com on Instagram or shoot me an email Nadia at NadiaMunla.com. I will see you there. Now back to the episode. So there's, there's quite a few things that you just shared that I like, there's so many different um, pieces that I wanted to address. But the first thing I want to mention is you talked about center, which is mm-hmm. the core, the foundational course that you have that self paced that is for people like myself who are like, okay, I did all the fancy schmancy stuff, but like, mm-hmm. let me come back to the classics. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to have that in the show notes Mm -hmm. for anyone who might be interested. Um, But I just wanted to like mention that because truly like I've taken some of um, Jess's workshops and it's like, and I've done a lot of work with different like Mm -hmm. trauma teachers and I would just say I'm like pretty picky (laughs) Um, and just hold a certain yeah like standard to the people that Mm -hmm. I work with and yeah you're definitely up there so I just wanted to shout Mm -hmm. that out but then also there was this piece you spoke about around the sterility Mm -hmm. that that is that is starting to invade and take over and it's sort of interesting because you know like there's a parallel with like pandemic and we all got a a little bit obsessed with you know hand sanitizer and (laughs) I mean, there is this thing where it's like, what happened to, and then of course there's the other, um, 
the other like movement, so to speak, of like get your hands back in the dirt, mm-hmm. not just on a spiritual level to connect more with Mother Earth, but literally because dirt under your fingernails will help your microbiome and actually makes you healthier. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, that's a new, you know, this is Zach Bush and Co. So it's like not a lot of people know. But I think people listening to this podcast have an idea what I'm talking about. Um, and so I think that there's this interesting way in which in the trauma education world as well, and in the nervous system and like psychology and psychiatry and like just mental health and like just that whole bubble Um in the Western world is really heading in the direction of let's, how do we sterilize even more? Everything. And, and part of yeah. what, what I saw, you know, doing a little bit, like just playing a little bit in the somatic experiencing world. Mm-hmm. And then um, also on the other end, working with like priestesses where it's mm-hmm. like, it's a lot more mystical and sacred and embodied and like seeing these two worlds and being like, there's some great stuff on this side and there's some great stuff on this side. And I would love the science and the sacred to merge more. And yeah. I think that that's one thing I love about you is like you do you do play in that in between, mm-hmm. as I hope I do. <laughs> um, although, um, yeah, I think you bring in more science probably than I do, being that I'm not a trauma expert. But I think that there is something about this beautiful merging of science and and sacredness or even science and sensuality mm-hmm. um, that I would love for you to speak to a little bit. Like, what are you mm-hmm. seeing? What does it like light a fire in your belly? Like, just, yeah, talk to us mm-hmm. a little bit about that because that's that's very unique. I don't see that often. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting, just like a side note to that is like, if you look at, um, so Isaac Newton was an alchemist, most people don't know that, (laughs) he studied alchemy, the church really did a good job at like putting that to the side, I mean, like he's a scientist, but like, if you, if you go back and you look at, okay, well, when did that stuff start to get disconnected, it's really interesting to look at the history of our culture and religion and all these different things that came in. Um, so inherently, I think there's a natural science that I would even say like shamans know and like a, but it's not how we would be like, this is scientific, but <laughs> also they've known, you know, I've studied with shamans in the Amazon rainforest and they know every single plant, right. what it does, how it works in the body, what it works on. So like, but we think about them as primitive. It's not out of a textbook. That's why I think. Right. Like they didn't go to school and sit on the desk, but it's like, it was more just knowledge that's passed down. Totally. Well, and also like it's, they were, uh, seen as like savages when a lot of the, like the Eastern, like Europeans came over and it wasn't everyone, but there was the sense of like, Oh, like these people are like, you have to demean people to be okay in your mind with destroying their temples or like taking over their land or whatever it is um and so I think that there's still all these little smatterings Mm -hmm. of that in the way that we view Mm -hmm. healing Mm -hmm. um but I you know it's interesting because I I learned somatic work the very beginning of my journey when I was in I was 18 and um 
fitment therapy training mm. that I just wanted to be in because I read a cool book on past life and between life soul regression. Of course, and that, that makes total sense. And, <laughs> and my life was falling apart, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll do this. And so there was there was some science in that, mm. but there was also a lot of working with subconscious reprogramming and things like that, which was seen as pseudoscience then, and now it's like starting to be more and more accepted. Hypnotherapy was still seen as pseudoscience then. This was in 2010, I believe. Mm-hmm. So it was still like fringy and weird to most of the world. Yeah. Um, but then, so I came in with that. I learned a few other like NLP and other theta healing, which I taught for a long time, like other forms of subconscious reprogramming. And then I went into the world of medicine work. Mm-hmm. And so I was learning to hold space. And I, I wanted to, actually at that point, wanted to learn how to serve ayahuasca. And so I was in like intensive trainings around that being the thought that that's where I was going to go. But coming into that world with all of this knowledge and experience in how the psychology works and how the body works mm. and then holding space and being a helper and, and mm. a lot of them like the healer helper, like someone was really going through something and the yeah. person leading the ceremony had to sit there. I would go and like kind of like hold space for their energy and work on blocks and things like that. That taught me so much mm. about how the body works. Like that, that gave me this direct experience with the somatic body that I previously like had somewhat, but mm. not, anywhere near that level right. or that degree yeah. and so and because I was studying with a lot of indigenous elders like the science and the mysticism just were always it. together yeah. you know like it, it wasn't it it's and they were always really embodied like there was something about knowing that having the vantage point of working with these different medicines in a ceremony ritual space and literally like having a certain level of x-ray vision come online where I already knew how to work with someone not on medicine, but then being able to see, Mm. I don't suggest people just do this. I was in pretty specific veins of training. So this isn't just like, go take mushrooms and do energy work on whoever (laughs) you want because you think you're shaman. That is not what I am saying. Please don't do that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But there's a level of, it was like I was learning in this, Mm-hmm. in this deeper way. So I think that the merging of those two for me has always been, um, it just is what makes sense. Yeah. I also come from a family of Western medicine doctors. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Their vantage point, like yeah. my dad is a dentist and he breaks down every single thing into like a chemical. That's what the universe is. It's chemicals all interacting with each other. Mm-hmm. It's the periodic table of elements. And my mom, who's now gone through a spiritual awakening, who is a physical therapist, she's more somatic, more right, intuitive, right. you know? Mm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think, like, that's where the meeting of the two come for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think that's why people get a lot of work or a lot out of the work that I do. Mm-hmm. Like, when I get the reflection oftentimes of people doing other trauma healing trainings and... Yeah learning about trauma and then coming into working with me and being like, Oh, I get it. Yeah. Not because my mind gets it, but because energetically and experientially the way that I teach is based Mm. in what it's being taught about. So it's not just teaching about it from the head or the mind Mm. and center is the same way. Like it's like my framework. I think that's most important for all of us 
even in your like earlier question is self-knowledge like Mm. what do I know about myself what am I learning about myself what is what works what tools work for my system Mm -hmm. right now Mm -hmm. what's the feedback I'm getting from my body that feels good and then just like doing it like doing doing things because I think there is so much intellectualizing and even recently just watching like a very masterful mindset coach do work on someone but it was so fast and it was like you could tell like her system was not keeping up you know it was like but that her mind both of their minds were playing and it was like intellectual stimulation masturbation whatever you want to call it but like and it was like very it was nearly like entertaining, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, okay, well, this is your story. And now let's reverse it. And da, 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 you know, and I, I just, whenever I watch that, I just watch the body and I'm like, the body doesn't go at this pace. You know, the body right. goes a million times slower. And so your mind can do the whole mindset game and then be like, oh, okay, I no longer like, I can see how this is a limiting belief. But then right. the body is like, um, what just happened? Totally. And then goes right back to the same shit the next day. Right, because the subconscious lives in the body. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Because I feel, you know, I'm really curious. And, I, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you is just what do you think starts to shape, like, in your understanding of the nervous system and trauma, like, what shapes the different responses to fear, right? Like, the flight, fight, and fawn response. Um, Because it's so interesting, like, we can look around in our group of friends or anyone and our family, and we're like, oh, look, you know, Mm -hmm. this person tends to go into this. Now, obviously, I mean, some of us have quite a few, but it's like, there's a dominant one often. It's like, oh, that's sort of their go-to yeah. why do you think that is like what what is it that happens oh I mean it go for it really <laughs> is I've thought about this a lot mm. because you can have two of the same people I was talking to a friend about this recently where I was starting to explain to her she has a very dominant fight response mm-hmm. and she had a pretty traumatic upbringing you know a lot of uh, physical violation when she was younger not a safe environment um but she had a roommate when she was growing up who mm. had almost like exact same story, but her roommate was stuck in freeze fawn response. Mm. And so she, my, my friend seemed like really aggressive and to her roommate and she couldn't understand like, well, why did I, why is my response this way? And her response mm. is that way. And it just different people respond in different ways. Like it's so nuanced Mm. what can create that and you could take it all the way esoteric and be like well what's your dominant astrological right you know and and do those forces come online more are you someone who's going to go more into like a yin feminine um yeah i'm just going to tend to everyone's needs around me Mm. are you someone that's more has more like yang or fire masculine like Mm -hmm. i'm just going to attack the thing in front of me that could be one way of looking at it but that's not right. necessarily going to dictate it either um yeah. I think it you know one of the things that I've noticed is that if you were in an environment where like you had to survive mm-hmm. like you had to either your parents weren't there or you were in a super chaotic environment 
if you were if you grew up in war if you grew mm. up with like destabilization like there is no you have to respond mm. and so those people will tend to have a, a predominant fight response if your environment's just unsafe and you have to fend for yourself um if you were overpowered continuously mm you likely at some point in your development collapsed more and maybe you yeah. are more aggressive over here with people that you know you can dominate or you you know you repeat the pattern of the parents that dominated you there's so many different things mm. um but around authority you you cower or you turn into a more of a fawn kind of response um or you turn into more flight response where you're like okay well I'm not going to fight you, but there's all this yeah. super aroused energy in my body. And so I need to do something. So I'm going to constantly kind of go. I think about that as like the assistant in the devil wears Prada is a good like example of the flight response where it's like, she's not fighting. There's a very dominating figure, but there's this like frantic energy that constantly has to go and do and create. Da, 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 da. I can't like stop and, and chill. I love that. Um, that TV. I mean that movie so much. I know it's a, it's such a good one. And then, like, the free, you know, there's different things, like... It's a good point. Like, I think about siblings who have the same home environment Mm -hmm. and who are do total opposites. That was me and my brother. My brother was full-fledged fight. Mm -hmm. And I was... I was... I would acute fight, like, Mm -hmm. if if things really built up. But I learned to Mm -hmm. turn internal and basically disappear and went into more of like a freeze fawn Hmm. so then would you say because you know a lot of us just have a hard time like just advocating for our needs Mm -hmm. and holding boundaries do you feel just based on your experience that the fight profile of person tends to be better at advocating for their needs and holding a boundary than freeze fawn or, and like, is there a correlation? Am I just making it up? No, you're not making it up. Mm. There's totally a correlation. I would say a fight person has to, they have had to get their needs met. Like they know that uh, this is, I'm like, this is a broad generalization, but like, the fight response is like, no one's going to be here for me. I need to be here for myself. Okay. And so it can be like, you know, there's a line of people and you just kind of bulldoze them and like to like get your own because mm. you need to like survive. And totally unconsciously, but it can just be that mm. way at times. Um, and there's going to be more of a like demand. I would say there would be more boundaries, but there can be more boundary crossing of other people. There can be also crossing your own boundaries because you're actually doing whatever you need to survive in in a experience that maybe survival is not actually the thing. It's just how your subconscious is interpreting. That's when I can resonate with a lot. Yeah, and it feels in the body. It feels like you're gonna fucking die. So like, you have to have a lot of compassion with yourself when you see that hindsight twenty twenty. Like, oh, I. I responded to that like I was going to die and I clearly was not about to die. Yeah. You know? Um, So there can be pushing your own boundaries for survival and hurting yourself, which is how a lot of people hit burnout. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's me. Um, And then asking for help can also be vulnerable in other places. So Mm. it's, it's, I wouldn't say like, 
no one like is there's this balance of different things like a fawn person may be really able to I don't know ask for help in ways that a fight person would dare not because yeah, if yeah. I expose that vulnerability I will die Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I guess there's medicine, like the fawn profile is maybe more okay with being vulnerable, but has harder being in like demand energy versus mm-hmm. the fighters more like is just automatically going to demand, but maybe doesn't want to be vulnerable. So yeah. but actually both are needed to speak your needs mm-hmm. and to hold boundaries because those are difficult conversations between two humans and in order to have a difficult conversation, you have to both be like, Hey, this is what I need. So you need to be able to de- like not demand, but like come with an energy of like, this is what I need, which has some demand to mm-hmm. it. It's not telling the other person, like you have no option. It's just saying, here's what I need. But then also being vulnerable by being like, here's what I need. Yeah. <laughs> you know? exactly. so it's like a little bit of both. Yeah. And there's something about like, it may be very vulnerable for someone with a more fawn response mm-hmm. or freeze response to say, Hey, like to be direct, mm-hmm. to say, Hey, this, this is actually what I need could feel in their body like I'm about to get hit yeah. or like I like it is absolutely not okay for me to mm. center myself in a conversation and be direct independent of what that does to the other person that can feel yeah. incredibly vulnerable mm. whereas to someone who has a dominant fight response like well that's what I need like it's it's it can be yeah not totally. a big thing or flipped if something that someone with a fawn response yeah. like is used to asking for like hey can you you know I'm sharing this vulnerable thing like I would really I would really love for you to just be there with me or whatever yeah. it is like a more vulnerable thing that's really comfort zone for them by response person they cringe and be yeah. like I am not getting anywhere near that I will make the funniest fucking joke about it but there's no way we're touching that because I take care of myself yeah why would I need anyone what if the white wine and rosé and the whole <laughs> flight is like fight flight <laughs> what kind of wine do you silly. put in the freezer I think that's like a white wine yeah but not for too long because then it will just explode oh okay. yeah definitely not with bubbles because then it will explode in two seconds okay yeah but no I mean I'm kidding obviously that would be an epic just failure it would not go well if we called our wine fight light um but what we could call our wines are like capacity resilience (laughs) adaptability Mm -hmm. like all of these pieces um which I want to talk about a little bit because it's not like the cheesiest transition ever um I want to talk about that a little bit because I think that Going back to the piece of, like, what is the goal of all of this? Like, yes. why are we here? Like, those of you listening to this podcast, like, why are you even listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. right? Like, you're you're trying to get somewhere. You think that, okay, there's a certain amount of wisdom in this personal development shit. Right. <laughs> so let me listen to some other people mm-hmm. who I think have it together a bit more. Spoiler alert, we do not. Everyone's a human. We don't know what the fuck Unless we're doing. Unless you're enlightened, which I've never met anyone who's actually enlightened. Yeah. Um, oh, we can call our wine. I don't know. That's great. I actually, a friend of mine, maybe I shouldn't say this on this podcast. There's like a secret okay, maybe business not. idea that me and a friend oh. of mine have, but okay. it has to do with having 
the shirts, but I think having a shirt that says I don't know. Oh. I mean that's big that, bold, like I don't know. The the more someone says I don't <laughs> know these days, the more I'm like, you know what's up. I trust you. I believe in yeah. you. You you figured it out, mister. Yeah. <laughs> so figured out that there's res- no way anyone can know. No yeah. one knows because we don't know. The adaptability, resilience, and capacity. These three tips for me come to mind because I I tend to <clears throat> put them in, I guess, like under one umbrella around mm-hmm. measure m- measurements for health and specifically mm-hmm. nervous system health. And so I'm yeah. curious um, <clears throat> what you think about that. And, you know, it may be that each one of these is separate. It might be that, yeah, they're, they're like under one umbrella. I don't know how, what you, how you see these words, but I do think that there's something important to talk about around um, how we've in a way, what is, how do I want to say this? Like we've taken personal development or spiritual awakening or just transcending, getting evolution, whatever you want to call it. And we've uh, turned it into like a race and like a, a, (laughs) a, a game and like, and we're like, we're trying to get somewhere and there's very particular metrics around, oh, it means I need to be more productive, more uh, happy while I'm productive, manifest millions because the more aligned I am, the more money comes to me, you know, whatever. Like there's all these bizarre metrics that we've started to unconsciously, like I I can see it's like in me and I'm Mm. always talking about how I don't like it Mm -hmm. and still it's internalized, right? So I want to go back to these other I want to propose, I guess, some other measurements, other metrics on what it means um, to be healthy and Mm. quote unquote further in your personal development when you have more capacity, when you have more resilience, Mm. when you have more adaptability. So can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Just share your thoughts. Um, I, you know, flexibility in our states lucidity Mm. at least to even be to even make the choice to change a state not from fighting yourself but from knowing like I just actually need to gear shift a couple degrees down because I'm starting to escalate you know um maybe I'm going into more of a stress response and most people just it's it's literally like driving a car we unconsciously Mm. are like in hyperdrive or we like the body throws it back into neutral when we crash. Yeah. Um, and all health, this is why I have so many health practitioners that follow me that are like, everything goes back to nervous system work because mm. any health practitioner you go to is like, how's your stress? Yeah. And they're saying that because if you're really stressed, then it, there's a downstream effect from stress on hormones, health, all yeah. of that longevity. Um, and so, but again, it's not huge fireworks that gets you into resilience and adaptability. It's subtly tracking your system and learning how to every day move from a state of maybe you need to generate a bit more energy and bring your energy up out of hypo arousal. Mm-hmm. Maybe you need to calm your energy down. I know for me and most of the one-on-one clients I have, we have a mission mode. 
And that mission mode can also be called a fight response. And mm-hmm. if we are in that mission mode for too long, and it tends fight is a very hyper folk, it's hunting. So it's like, I'm going to attack, I'm going to hunt. There's not really peripheral vision. Mm. Your whole perspective of time changes, which trips me out with nervous system work because it's not just nervous system, it's your consciousness molds and shapes time. Like when you're in a fight response, it feels like you need to get things done now. I need mm. to execute and need to go. Mm. And there's like this stressor in the background. You you scale that up and like that's not good to work in for multiple days slash years slash decades at a time, which is why people hit burnout and why in particularly women's systems are more sensitive to stress because of our hormones too. Um, we don't have testosterone continuously every single day throughout mm-hmm. our system, which is why... Anyway, that's a different topic about patriarchal I want to be like, too bad, but also no. Yeah, so, I mean, it works really well for the system that we're in to have that, but it also works really great if we had a system built around our cycles and women. Estrogen. Who happen to be the bearers of life. We probably should. Just as a side. Maybe build a system around that. But anyways, there's a level of... Side hustle. Maybe there's wisdom there somewhere. Um... Yeah. But like one of the things that I teach with this mission mode thing is when you're sitting at your computer, Mm. when you're at work, watch your heartbeat, watch your breathing Mm. and watch where stress or watch where there's tension in your body and especially the upper half because we tend to go, we tend to pull out of our root and go up and out Mm. and first watch the difference between that and when you're like, chilling in nature with your friends mm-hmm. just note simply notice the difference in your body and then when you are in a more mission mode kind of vibe watch how even just by noticing it your body will relax a little bit mm-hmm. and there's a way to like calm down to orient yourself to breathe widen. to regulate to mm-hmm. widen your perception widen your senses your ears mm-hmm. your smell um, I don't suggest working for really, and I don't even always follow this rule, but like more than 45 minutes before you take a five minute break. Mm. It could mm-hmm. be a two minute break. Just get up and do something different so something can reset. Yeah. So when I think about resilience or adaptability, it's, it's not what we do in one big firework session. Mm. This can help for sourcing core charges, but it's what we do in those daily like Okay, am I upregulated? Am I downregulated? And that's really with with center and with Phoenix Path. But with center, I really wanted to create a a program that anyone could take so that they can get that acute of subtle tracking. When I'm talking to my partner, mm. um, I I know this all the time. When I'm talking to my partner, like there are different levels. Can I can I fully take my partner in as a being that he is? Or am I like, like, am I, am I more tense? Do I have a, a, am I more sharp? Do I have like a thing that I need to get him to know? And then am I talking to him? Yeah. Or am I totally in a different state? And so like those subtle, it's, it's really like dialing something in day to day that I think builds resilience. I mean, that's what comes up for me. Yeah, I love that because that gets into like micro moments and the importance of micro moments, micro decisions, like how we shift, you know, even just like, oh, look, I'm not breathing. Let me breathe again, like Mm -hmm. deeply, you know, or, oh, 
you know, I think about that. Um, I, I visited, I think it was the oldest tree in Bali on the island. Mm. And mm. I was like, okay, wise, blah, blah, blah. Like, give me the message. And it was like, I literally heard relax your asshole. And I was like, really? Is this what's coming through? But then I sat with it and was like, oh, it is the deepest wisdom, right? Like, how do you ground? How do really? you root? You relax your asshole for sure. Um, and the moment you're up here and your shoulders up to your ears and you're typing away and you're so in your, yeah, like you're not relaxing your asshole. It's no. literally impossible to relax your asshole while your shoulders are up to your ears. Try it. See if you can do it. <laughs> I'm going to try it right now. Let's try to relax. That's so weird. <laughs> I have to like disconnect the upper part of my body. Uh, I mean, I guess you could try if you exhale and make sound. <sighs> uh, I was just so. I don't want to what do did this. you do today on the podcast? We tried We're trying to, to relax, relax our assholes. Well, but also my guess too to that point is like you're not even going to be receptive to what the tree may have a message for you if you're like. But that's I feel like in the West that's like what we're trying to do. Like, Give me the insight. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <clears throat> but like. Mm-hmm. calm the fuck down yeah i had a an experience recently that i think is like continuously comes if i look at the past 13 years i'm like oh it's always come up every time it's never changed it's always it's one of those truth things where mm-hmm. if you're in a state where you're really stressed and there's a problem and you need to find an answer to the problem mm-hmm. you're not gonna find it when you're frantically looking for the answer to the problem, because that's the state of the problem. But if you actually, totally, and it's addicting, because you're like looking, you're searching, you're hunting, you gotta find it, you gotta find it, but your your consciousness, your nervous system, but it's not just your nervous system, that's one Uh thing that bugs the shit out of me about people that are in trauma work, like, it's just the nervous, I'm like, no, it's the, it's the whole thing, yeah, it's the whole thing, yeah, but um, your energetic, body your Mm. field your emotional body your psyche are not actually in a place of receptivity at all yeah so your intuition can't come in insight can't come in like Mm. any creative flow your best poetry your best songs your best writing it didn't come in really i don't it came in when you're just like yeah "Hmm, i'm just chilling watching this tree yeah so like creativity and solution comes in the land of being present which Mm. means give up on the problem Go outside, lay in the grass, count how many shades of green there are, smell the smells, listen to the birds, and and get so peripheral with your consciousness that all of a sudden, yeah, huh, I didn't think of that person, I didn't think of that thing, you know. Yeah, it's the control, you know, as a recovering control freak, um, (laughs) I can attest to this and I see it, right? Like when we have something that's so strong in us that we're working, we're going to see it a lot in the world. And so I see again in the personal development world and anyone who starts that journey that, and also the sort of new age spiritualism, I mean, it's all like one big bubble, but there is this, I'm going to control my circumstances. Like how much can I control my circumstances? Using my mind, 
yeah, using course. my manifesting skills, mm-hmm. using my super intense spirituality, right? But actually, we can't control our circumstances. Like, yeah. we can pretend all we want, but it's a bunch of bullshit. Like, what's going to happen is going to happen. What you can control is the lens through which you see your circumstances mm-hmm. and experience your circumstances, but not the actual circumstance. And so I think that it goes back to, like, there's this weird way that we're being packaged um, spiritual development and personal development, but that's actually just you trying to be a control freak in a different way, but it just shows up in a different costume. And it's like, well, that's you just still doing the same exact thing you did before you were quote unquote awakened or on your you know journey to developing. Um, that I, I don't know. It's just like, a, it's, it's something that has become so spotlighted in my consciousness recently mm. um, where it's a reminder to us going back to the resilience capacity and adaptability piece that what you do have control over and what's good to have control over is increasing your capacity, increasing your resilience, going like, you know what? Life is hard sometimes. Sometimes life is hard for your whole life. Mm-hmm. That person who's sitting in prison and is innocent, like mm-hmm. there's, and have been there for 25 years, like mm-hmm. that is a hard life, mm-hmm. right? But so those are things like, I think are a little bit, um, just people don't look at in our world where it's like, oh no, that doesn't happen. We're just looking at the people who sat down and manifested millions and it's like, no, sometimes life is hard and sometimes it's for a short period. Sometimes it's your, it's just the karma of that lifetime. And how do we work on increasing our resilience when shit hits the fan? How do we fall down, get back up and not make it a whole thing? How do we do that and not lose, <laughs> guilty on this one, but not lose faith and not lose connection to the divine or not feel like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm forsaken by God, by the divine, you know, and instead just continue to have faith and trust Mm -hmm. despite the circumstances. And to me, that's capacity, resilience, and adaptability is like, okay, you know, and I think there isn't, they're not sexy concepts. No. So people don't, no one's marketing or selling that, but that's actually the foundation for true, like health, not just nervous system health, since since you just mentioned that pet peeve. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it's overall like holistic, full body, spiritual, soul health. Totally. Well, and I think that one of the things also that I would say is to speed that up. And this is, you know, no one taught me this except for my own experience of life is have the tantrum faster. Mm. Like, you're mad at God, be really fucking mad at God. Like, full on breakdown, cry, pray, do the whole thing, get messy so that your system can actually, like, move through that. Mm-hmm. If, it, if it's at one of those peak acute moments. Like, I had one of those peak acute moments. Mind you, I was, like, luteal and my period was late. And so that was just, like, you know, that's the whole thing. But, but I just finally, like, let myself break down on the floor crying and, like, mm-hmm. let even though the state of what was going on I knew wasn't true, mm. I let myself feel like it was true because some part of me felt like it was true. And then what I noticed is from there, I things could start to reset. It's like something about that pushing it away, pushing it away, pushing it away, pushing it away that like I think I think that expands the amount of time. Mm. I call it conscious tantruming. Yeah. Like if you don't want to do something and you're resisting it, 
then stomp around. Act like a little kid that's saying no to its mom or whatever. Because sometimes we're doing that at life or a job or God or a partner and just embody it to the point where like, okay, you did that. Yeah. Now what? You're Mm -hmm. still here and you may want some help. Also praying. I think people, I think everyone needs to be just praying just for help. Just pray for help. Just say, hey, I would love some help. Even if you don't think you need some help, you probably need more help. Like the fact that we're not even asking Mm-hmm. for help is a, is kind of a big deal but yeah the nuanced little things yeah. no they're not sexy but you know having a fucking ripped body is real nice but working out every day isn't Good. sexy either yeah you know yeah. so it's like mm. taking certain herbs every day isn't so sexy. sexy but having a healthy adrenal system or whatever it is yeah. is so it's when I look at teaching and when I look at everything, it's like, what are the principles? Like, what is unchanging truth? Oh, yeah. And unchanging truth is consistency is really fucking powerful in little things. And over time, totally. it feels really good. Mm-hmm. But it may not feel good in the moment. Yeah. Okay, I have a question for you. Yeah. Is there ever a time where resiliency can be bad or resilience can be bad? I think... From the fighter, fight yes, well. yes, yes. That's that is where <laughs> like I think that um, the fight response is interesting because it is the most. There's a reason why it is the most predatory response in nature. Mm. Um, predatory is a good thing in nature. <laughs> yeah, just stay um, here. You're like top of the food chain, yeah. you know, um, for the most part. Yeah. And so there's a certain level of when shit hits the fan, it's really good to have that as a response that you have. It's a lot better than to freeze. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, the part of me that wants to be like, yeah, but we're all equal and beautiful. It's like, yeah, but when shit hits the fan, like, I know that that part of me gets things done yeah mind you I didn't have that part of me I used to go into freeze Mm. and I had to do a lot of anger de-repression which is like a common freeze fawn thing and then all of a sudden a ton of my fight drive came Mm -hmm. on um it's really nice I like that I have it now it's Mm. a lot to manage it's a dragon that I'm constantly like calm and flow your energy um I think the fight response or, or the resiliency in the fighter yeah, it's not helpful to have that when you need other people and you've built a life on like, well, I can take care of me, so mm-hmm. I've just got to keep taking care of me. Right. Um, it's not – it doesn't allow you to even see the help that may be around you, mm. you know. It's impossible for other people to help you if you are constantly questioning their ability to help you. Mm. Versus actually giving some space for people to show up, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. There's also a lot more creativity that's available when we're not warrioring yeah. our way through life all the time. But it can also feel like an ego death to the fighter, the warrior yeah. in us to let go of that because if that's how we've gained competency and self-worth and love, mm. then... 
let yeah. that go of me and be like, well, yeah. who am I without it? Do yeah. I have worth? Yeah. Especially in a society that praises us for it so much. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like the fighter wins in yeah. this society. Totally. So it's really hard to be like, I'm going to let you go. Yeah. Totally. Now, goodbye. Mm-hmm. Sir. That first man's a man. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think also there's an interesting thing because the fighter, at least the way that it actualizes or expresses in me is not so much like I won't depend on other people. I actually sometimes over depend and over ask for support like I really go for it like the phone a friend thing is strong in my Mm -hmm. world but um it's more not letting the divine help yeah that's really common and so the co-creation piece right it's like I had to literally create a whole framework for myself and my clients around co-creation because Mm -hmm. it's so hard for me because I'm like no if I want to see it happen in this lifetime I have to make it happen Mm -hmm. Um, but not so much like, oh, my friends can't help. It's just like, oh, I can't just sit around and like let nature or God get it done. Yeah. Like that's never going to happen. Like mm-hmm. I have such a deep belief around that, that I'm still well, and that makes pulling sense on like your, your story too. It's really common for, for any of us that have grown up in, to put it lightly, chaos, mm. you know? To be like, um, where is God exactly? Where is this all-loving, benevolent presence that's supposed to take care of me when, you know? Yeah. Like, life is good, huh? What? Yeah, like, exactly. Everything works for me, not against me. Are you sure about that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big fighter. Yeah, so if anyone listening is like, oh, my God, I have those thoughts. Yep, you got a fighter in you, which can totally. be really, I mean... It got me really far in life. Mm-hmm. It really did. Yeah. It got me out of a war-torn country. I survived the war first. Let's start there. Mm-hmm. That happened. Got out Massive. of, um, you know, a war-torn country. Got myself two careers where I was pretty successful in, in both. Like, do my own thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, my spirit is like, that's what will happen is there's an expiration date on it. There is. And, and I'm, I'm there. Yeah. I, I expired. The, fi- the fighter expired a few years ago and is still trying to figure out what to do. But like, yeah, the whole thing is an interesting one. Yeah. I mean, there's like a, it can, there's a lot of heart, heart uh, stuff and what you're talking about. Like that fire of the warrior is very like heart fire, but also, the lack of trust in the divine yeah. mm-hmm. is such a big core piece that I think like, I actually think most traumas go back to that separation. Yeah. And so it's like looking at something that's, that can be collective, but regaining that, rekindling that, yeah. um, yeah. it's a, it's huge. It's a really big, it's a really big piece. To whole other podcast. Yeah. Whole other podcast. About for sure. separation from God. Yeah. <laughs> Um, wow, this has been, I feel like, so full of info and really good promo for our wine collection. <laughs> and I'm, yeah, I'm very delighted. And I'm curious if there is any other um, piece from the, the, the things that we started to address that's like lingering, like a tab mm-hmm. opening your brain that you're like, oh my God, if she ends this podcast episode before... I just love that we ended on the separation from the divine being like next podcast because because I think actually all trauma goes back to that 
Ooh, do you want to say a couple of sentences, like a little teaser, a trailer for the next one? <laughs> um, it's interesting to watch how much the trauma of not feeling seen, heard, held, the fear of being abandoned by others, like the things that play out with other people. If you just take a moment and question within yourself how that might play out with God. Mm. Um, and even if you're someone that's like, I fully trust God, I don't trust other people. Mm. It's like, okay, great, but you're here. And so a divine intelligence put you here. So what's your relationship to mm. to that? So it, I just think it's an interesting yeah. inquiry to have. And that's all I'll say about it for yeah. now. It's it's true. I mean, when you're in the deepest trauma triggers, when you feel the most lonely, and it's and you can no humans can help. Mm-hmm. It's because it's all about you and God, or you mm-hmm. and yourself, which is ultimately the same thing, right? So yeah. it's like you start to just feel like, ah. mm-hmm. well, more coming soon, guys. Um, center, center, somatic toolkit for your nervous system. It has a whole practice library in it. It has over 20 practices that you can do daily on top of six other modules that help you track all of your different patterns in life with emotional mastery and nervous system dysregulation. And I just think it's the foundation that everyone should have. Even if you think you know what I'm talking about, really ask yourself, do I know about trauma and nervous system regulation and emotional mastery from my head? And look in your life, ask yourself, do I actually need more help with that? And so it's foundations from a really deep mm. level, not just being taught more information. I also just love having a library of tools, right? Yeah. Like there's something about we're so busy, we have so many things to do, we have so many you know, excuses to why we can't do stuff. It's like when you just have that sitting there, it's so much easier to put into your schedule you know, 20 minutes a day or whatever it might Mm -hmm. be that you have time for. And then, you know, I love going into like a vault or a library Mm -hmm. and being like, okay, what do I want to do today? Because I don't, you know, I don't like to follow a schedule (laughs) or like, but I like to have like time that's set. So I still have the structure, but then I go in and there's a buffet of options. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is such a great way that um, people will have that. And it's, it's lifetime access, right? Or how does it work? Yeah. 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 So it's like, once you have it, you have it. And that stuff like that is foundational to your entire experience of the day, Mm -hmm. how you experience your family, your partner, um, your boss, your, you know, your clients, like Mm -hmm. the whole, your body, you know, so the whole thing. So, so all true. right. Well, we have that link in the show notes, obviously. Thank you so much for mm-hmm. chatting with me. I mean, you know, Dustin and I will chat on our walks, hikes, whatever, sitting on the couch. Like we can go for hours mm-hmm. and we're like, finally, we're like, we need to record one of these <laughs> chats. But I feel like there will be more. I also have a practitioner training if, for people who are more advanced in their craft. So... People, it's called Phoenix Path, and it's a practitioner training for people that want trauma-informed tools, but actually to be able to go in and do somatic healing work, energetic healing work. Um, And it's really like if you're already a coach, if you're already experienced holding space, if you've done a bit of emotional processing work with a therapist or with a coach, 
um, that's more who it's for. It's mm-hmm. for people who are already on the path. That's their devotion to service. That's their practice. And mm-hmm. they want more deep and tuned skills in that way. Mm-hmm. So. Awesome. And that, and they have to do center to do... You have to do center to do Phoenix like Path. Basic. It's preliminary. But when you buy center, you get $700 off of Phoenix Path. So it's basically center becomes like a $300 mm. course instead of a $1,000 course. And there are payment plans for both of those things. I love a good bundle. Yeah. That's a good bundle. <laughs> I like bundle. things bundled. That's a good bundle. I love a good bundle too. I love a good bundle. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I love thanks you. For thanks me. for being so wise and heart-centered and for serving all the people who are serving people. Aww. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I love you too. If you enjoyed the guest on this episode, you can head on over to the show notes to get more info on their bio, their work, their website, and all the good stuff. I love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. We would love for you to rate and review the show, and I'd love to know your takeaways from the episode. You can do that by DMing me on Instagram at Nadia Munla.